Living Stones is a weekly conversation about living a truly Catholic life. Deacon Harold Burke Sivers and Ken Hellenius help you deepen your relationship with Christ and His Church, discussing practical ways to grow in faith, participate more fully in the liturgy, and practice charity towards all. Hello and welcome to Living Stones. I'm Ken Hellenius, sitting in the studios in South Bend, Indiana, and sitting across from me in the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon, is the man who can drink a gallon of eggnog and then polish it off with another quart, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Hello, Deacon. <laughs> hey, Ken, how you doing? You I'm know, but, very but well. Truth, truth be told, if I drank that much, I mean, if I just, the first part eggnog, That'd be it because I'd be puking all over the place, man. I can't stand eggnog, man. Oh, uh, I know. I know it's a favorite drink with a lot of people, and, and, oh. and no disrespect to you guys, but I am not feeling the eggnog, bro. No, sorry to tell you. Well, more for me, as they say. Yeah, more for right. me. Apple cider. Now I, that that's that seems to be my seasonal drink at this time. Uh, of apple year. cider is lovely. A little yeah. bit of the uh, some cinnamon, some clove. Yep. You there got you yourself go. yeah, exactly. nice spice. Yep. No. All right, mm-hmm. I can respect that. That's good. <laughs> well, uh, happy Advent to you, Deacon. Yes, happy Advent, Ken. <laughs> happy Advent. It always seems that the, this always comes so quickly this time of year. You know, it's like, you look back, wait a minute, it's December already? Like, Christmas is right yeah. around the corner? And Well, and this was, of course, crazy because, right, we had Thanksgiving at the very, very end of November. Yeah, I guess that's the, and the, immediately the latest it could ended. ever be. That's yeah. right, yeah. And so it's been quick, but uh, we're um, excited to be getting close here to in the last few weeks of preparation for Christmas, of course, and then the, the great octave of Christmas. So we're not even listening to Christmas music at our house. It's still Advent music. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And you know what? It's interesting about uh, this time of year. You know, we, we started a new, a new year. On the first Sunday yes. of Advent, so we always say Happy New Year. That's uh, right. And uh, and just a just a reminder for, uh, for our listeners how the cycles work. So we're in year A, and and the the Sunday cycles in, in the Catholic Church are A B C. So and what do you mean when you're talking about cycles? Cycles of what? The cycles of the gospel readings for, or actually for the, all the readings, but, okay. but particularly for the gospel readings for Sunday. So they okay. rotate because there's four gospels and John's gospel is always represented during uh, Lent and, and Easter. Easter time. Yeah. You know, but, but for the for the rest of the year, so the A, the A readings or the A cycle is Matthew. So there's a heavy emphasis on Matthew's gospel mm-hmm. and the B year is Mark and C, mm-hmm. which we just finished was Luke, right. you know, and, and so now... Now we're back to A again. So a lot of the readings that you'll hear this this next year coming up is going to be from Matthew's gospel. Right. Uh, so that's just a just a quick note of how the how that the cycle works there. And uh, this Sunday is also Gaudete Sunday. Ooh. This past Sunday, so right. you notice that they lit the. Uh, the the rose the or the pink, pink or whatever rose, you want to yep, call, yep. call it, and why is it that color? It's a, it's a blending of the purple and the white. So mm. it, it's, it's just showing that we, we we for the past couple Sundays we had the purple, but and of course Christmas is the white the season of you know uh, new life and and so the this a blending of the purple and the white. We're almost there, but not quite. And so mm-hmm. you have that blending of the purple and the and the white coming together to make that beautiful rose or or pink color. Just we're almost there. Just you know in the final like nesting. Phase like a pregnant woman, right? <laughs> like the nest before the baby comes, and yeah. you know, so that final, the final, almost there. And Gaudete uh, is a, a Latin word that means joy. 
like uh, Gaudium et Spes, right? The, the, the Second mm-hmm. Vatican Council document uh, on the church in the modern world is joy and hope. Gaudium et Spes. So Gaudete is a variant of that, which talks about the joy. Why? Because in joyful anticipation of Christ coming into the world. Right. And it's the opening word, Gaudete is the opening word of what's called the introit, or the introit um, from the Mass. So the the verse that is attached to the Mass that in some parishes is chanted uh, before the opening song, uh, before our gathering song. Uh, and it is, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Uh, so this comes, of course, from Philippians chapter 4, St. Paul's letter to the Philippians, telling us, you know what? Be joyful. Rejoice in the Lord always. So it's this wonderful um, uh, reminder that even in this season of Advent, which is has a penitential character to it, we also mm-hmm. need to rejoice in the fact that we are redeemed. We are the people of God. And so, um, yeah, Gaudete Sunday. In Lent, there's an equivalent Sunday to this that is called Laetare Sunday, uh, which also means rejoice. So Laetare has a... Um, a similar meaning, a slightly different uh, kind of connotation to Gaudete. Gaudete is a an outward-facing joy to rejoice. Uh, Laetare is a happiness within. Uh, and so, um, so Laetare Sunday is the fourth Sunday of Lent, uh, and that's also a pink or a rose-colored vestments that we wear on the fourth Sunday of Lent. Again, two-thirds of the way through Lent at that point. Here we are three-quarters of the way through Advent on Gaudete Sunday. So even in the penitential seasons, the Church gives us these Sundays that are like little waypoints, little little rest stations on the journey to remind us to be joyful, to remind us to be happy because we are the people of God. We are on a pilgrim journey and we're soon to reach the goal of our pilgrimage. Yep. And uh, beautiful. And another reminder of that, that we're almost there is is pregnancy, right? So uh, last week we talked about the Immaculate Conception. Well, just, uh, you know, uh, we, we just also just celebrated the Our Lady of Guadalupe. That's yeah. right. And, uh, you know, the, the, when uh, our Blessed Mother appeared to, uh, to Juan Diego... And, uh, you know, and there's a wonderful connection that you talk about with blooming flowers. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, well, the last two two weeks on on uh, on Sundays, the first readings have mentioned specifically blooming flowers, blooming. So here on on uh, the third Sunday of Advent at Gaudete, we heard um, Isaiah chapter 35, the desert and the parched land will exalt. The step will rejoice and bloom. They will bloom with abundant flowers and rejoice with joyful song. Now, it's not the time of year when things bloom normally, <laughs> right. right? I mean, we are in the midst of winter, um, especially, of course, in the, in the Northern Hemisphere. Um, and so that's what makes this idea, this imagery so powerful. And of course, Isaiah is talking about the time leading up to the immediate um, Uh, the Messiah is near, your redemption is at hand. And so even the earth rejoices, the earth and the plants and the flowers sense that a literal new springtime is among us, is is on its way. Um, Now, take that imagery from Isaiah uh, about the, the coming of the Messiah and think about what happened at Guadalupe, at when Juan Diego 
encountered Our Lady, and she said, here is the sign that I will give you for the bishop who is doubting that it is me. Pick some of those roses and take them to him in your tilma. Um, it's the middle of December. What are roses <laughs> do not bloom in December, except for this again, this sign that what what is happening is something special. Redemption is at hand. And the very story of Guadalupe is the story of the faith being planted in a, a culture amidst a culture that did not know Christ prior to this moment. And within fifty years, the essentially the entire country had been converted to the Catholic faith, you know, at this great time of loss of the church in Europe due to the Reformation, the church was absolutely thriving and blooming and blossoming in the new world. So blossoms and the imagery of blossoms in, uh, in the case of Juan Diego, roses um, are a sign that new life is happening. Redemption is at hand. No, that's wonderful imagery there. Um, it's that's what I love about being Catholic. We have some wonderful connections oh, that yeah. normally you wouldn't think of, but when you you have someone that breaks it down to you, it just makes so much sense. And when you're listening to these readings or maybe reflecting on them in adoration, they come alive. Because yeah. now, oh yeah, now I see this beautiful connection with roses and the flowers, and and you know, bringing um, you know uh, life out of the the death, you know, because winter is again, you know, this is also uh, uh, last month at the time we we remember the, the souls in purgatory and those who have died, and you know, so yep. death is seems to be all around, but but yet in the midst of that, here comes the flower, here comes life, here comes Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, flowering mm-hmm. in the midst of, of the dead. Again, in the northern hemisphere. It's very interesting. Imagery doesn't work in Australia. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I, uh, I know I have friends uh, who live in Sydney who, who are like, yeah, Christmas for us. We go to the beach. We barbecue yeah, out. Barbecue, and- that's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, whoa, what? And don't get me wrong. I love barbecue. So I, yeah. I can get into that too. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> one thing that's interesting in Advent, you know, um, all three cycles kind of have to the same pattern kind of the first Sunday of Advent is kind of eschatological it means it's kind of looking toward Christ coming second coming at the end of at the end of the world at the end of time or at the end of our world mm-hmm. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. um, and and then we have the two uh, uh, Sundays the second and the third Sunday which is emphasis on John the Baptist uh, and then the fourth Sunday is typically uh, the, the for, foreshadowing of, the, of uh, Jesus coming to the Blessed Virgin Mary and the infancy narratives leading up to Christmas time. And yeah. so um, and so this third Sunday, here we have the f- followers of John going to Jesus to find out, is you are you the one that John been telling us about? Are you the one? And Jesus, go back and tell him what you see. The blind see, the deaf hear, the the dumb speak. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. tell them. And then in the second half, Jesus goes on to tell people, you know, that, that John the Baptist is the former, how blessed you are to be in this time. And no no one uh, greater born of one was, in, was John, than John the Baptist. So even though John the Baptist is not directly speaking or even present, in this particular reading, it's all about, again, John the Baptist, the foreshadowing and the foreshadowing. Yeah. And Jesus even reminds us, I mean, he even tells him, 
This, meaning John, is the one about whom it is written, Behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way before you. So Jesus is telling us John is the forerunner of the Messiah. John is the one who is the messenger to prepare the way of the Lord. And, well, we know now, with the, the gift of hindsight, that Jesus is the one for whom John was preparing the way. Yeah, yeah. And Jesus calls him the greatest in the sense that, I mean, you think of the prophets that also foretold the coming of the Messiah, Isaiah, Malachi, Amos, and all these guys. And, um, but, but John's greatest was, he actually got to see salvation. Right. Not only did he foretell like the other, that the other guys did, but he actually got to live and, and die. You know, because remember, a lot of these old pro- the prophets witness. were killed, you know, because right. he's like, you, we don't like what you're saying. Bam, you're going to die. So, and the same thing happened to John. Yep. John died because he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, and again, in a sense, officially not the first martyr. Of course, St. Stephen is officially the first martyr of the church who died for the faith because John died before Jesus, you know, uh, died and rose from the dead. Um, but But he was the last one of the prophets who died preaching Jesus or the, for, or, the, or the coming of Jesus. Right. Um, you know, and, and that's always strikes me, you know, uh, about, about John. He was bold. He was yeah. bold. He wasn't timid. He wasn't, you know, he's like, you know, get ready. You know, you know, you know I'm baptizing with water, but the one we heard last week, right, the one's coming going to baptize you with, with the Holy Spirit and fire, you know, mm-hmm. the passion, you know, he's not going to let literally, throw fire on you, <laughs> nothing like that, but it's going right. to be the fire of, the, of his love, the fire of the Holy Spirit, you know, and, and that should fill us with passion and conviction. And that's what John had. And I think, you know, uh, some of my preaching may be influenced a little bit by John and the, ur- and the sense of the urgency of the message. You know, yeah. this is not something that we just can't sit back and just wait. No, no, no. Let's l- listen to what I'm telling you here. You know, because we're talking about life. We're talking about eternal life here. We're talking about salvation here. We're talking about, you know, um, conquering death and overcoming sin. You know, that's what we're talking about. Pay attention. And then I love that where he says, you know, he's baptizing people. Then he says Jesus coming and he takes attention away from himself and he directs people to Jesus. Behold, the Lamb of God. Behold. Him who takes away the sins of the world, right? And think about what's happening at Mass at that point. Um, that's John one twenty nine, by the way. Uh, and what's happening at Mass, the priest is elevating the Eucharist, and he takes attention away from himself, and he's directing people to Jesus, now present, fully, body, blood, soul, divinity, and Eucharist. And he says the same word John the Baptist says. Behold the Lamb of God. <laughs> Behold. And so Jesus is present just like he was when he was being pointed out by John the Baptist. Man, that's a, I, I tell you, I love being Catholic, man. These are the connections that yeah. we make in our faith, especially during these this, these time, this time of year. Well, and in the same sense that when John the Baptist points to Christ— and he says, he must increase, I yeah. must decrease. <laughs> yeah, you know? that's awesome. And that's our that's job, great. too, as Christians in the world, to point people to Christ, to bring people. You know, the story is actually told. Uh, we, don't, we don't see it here in Matthew. We don't know the disciples that John sent to ask Jesus, are you the one? Right. But in other versions of the gospel, we hear, in other gospels, we hear Andrew was one of these that was following John the Baptist. And Andrew went to ask the Lord, are you the one? And Jesus says, come and see. Right. And then Andrew goes to Peter and says, Peter, we have found the Messiah. Mm. And 
and of course, we think of this as, right, Andrew is an apostle who brings another greater apostle to the Lord. You're right. Mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately, he's the one who invites Peter, and Peter is the becomes the the first among equals among the apostles. And so, these are such um, beautiful stories. Again, we're going to be listening to Matthew for the rest of the the year, essentially. Um, you know, uh, in throughout the year in this year of A, Matthew is such a wonderful gospel and such a wonderful way for us to um, see the world through the eyes of a Jewish Christian. Because that's what that's who Matthew was, and that's who who Matthew is writing for. And so we're going to be invited to dig a little deeper into what does it mean for Jesus to be a, the Messiah awaited by the Jewish people, who is going to to invite all of the nations to believe, not just the chosen people of the of the Jewish people, but all of us, and especially you and me, Deacon. Believe it or not, we're not Jewish. You know, neither neither you with your with your beautiful background nor me with my with my northern European background. We were not born Jewish, but we are now members of the family of God because Christ came to redeem all of the world and to offer all of the world salvation. And our job as Christians now is to extend that same invitation to our brothers and sisters who do not know Christ and who are not able to walk into the church and say, and say, behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. That's right. Beautiful point, Ken. You know, and these followers ask, are you the one who is to come or should we look for another? You know, and that reminds you, you know, we, we, we have to ask ourselves today, would we be able to recognize Jesus if we saw him? You know, and, and how do we prepare for the coming of Christ in our lives? You know, it's in, in looking forward to the excitement and the joy of Christmas, you know, the coming of Christ into the world. It's sometimes easy to forget that there will be uh, there will come a time, probably we least expect it, um, when we will meet God face to face one day. So we have to be ready. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's the it's the Lord who sees the path ahead of us that at times can be filled with so many challenges and, and difficulties and you know, Jesus knows um, that we're struggling to make ends meet, right? To, to put food on the table, to keep a roof over our heads, to survive to the next paycheck. Our hearts are aching because our children aren't in the place in their faith we hope them to be, you know, and, and so many other things going on in our lives. And um, the, the scriptures remind us it's the Lord who gives bread to the hungry, but not just those who are malnourished, but also those who are starving for truth, Right? The, the Lord sets prisoners free, not those who are just incarcerated, but those who are imprisoned by sin. This, the Lord gives sight to the blind, not just those who can't see, but those who can't see God. Mm-hmm. It is the Lord who raises those who are bowed down, foreshadowing the words of Jesus, who says that we uh, have to humble themselves before, uh, humble ourselves before God so that, so that he, the Lord, can be exalted. You know, so there's this wonderful the words of, of our Lord that we have to reflect on and, and put that into practice and how, what does it mean for in our lives today as we're trying to live our faith? Wow. Yeah. This is the, the invitation, uh, um, to repentance, 
right? I mean, that's where so many parishes throughout Advent will offer, you know, penance services. I know my parish here in South Bend did it just a few weeks ago, and our pastor even told us at Mass, he said, our communal penance service is on Wednesday night. If you can't make it, just know that there are penance services at the next parish on you know, Monday of the following week and the next parish over on Tuesday of that week. All this, the invitation, the light of the confessional is is always on somewhere where we can encounter the Lord and his forgiveness so that we can regain our sight, as you as you said, yeah. so that so that we who are blinded by our sin, whose um, our view of the Lord is obscured by the darkness of the sin that we have freely embraced ourselves, um, that can be wiped away. And God wants us to wants to welcome us and gives us every opportunity to hear the words of reconciliation, to hear the words of mercy. God, the Father of mercies, has reconciled the world to himself. And that's where we encounter him. We hear those words in confession. No matter how long it's been since you've been to confession, God wants you to be healed and he wants you to be at peace. The best way to do that is to hear those words of reconciliation offered in the sacrament of penance. Yeah, and and to recognize the fact that, you know, this season, you know, our faith could kind of get away from us. You know, we're so focused on getting presents and mm-hmm. uh, preparing a meal, and, and, and which is all good. We, we need to right. do that. That's fine. But, but those things are pointing and directing us towards something deeper, right. something fuller, something richer, something more meaningful. It's pointing us ultimately... Uh, all the presents, all the gifts, all the food, all the reverie, all the songs, everything is ultimately directing and pointing us toward intimate, personal, loving, and life-giving communion with Jesus Christ. Amen. And so that, and as people sometimes say, he's the reason for the season. You mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. And so those are, we, those are not just nice platitudes. I mean, that's the reality. That's the reality of of how we live our faith and express ourselves as as Catholics. Um, during this time of year. So yes, it's wonderful to put all the lights up and all the festivities and the Christmas parties. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. But don't forget that Jesus Christ is the one. That's why confession is so important. Sometimes there's healing that needs to be done. There's still work in us that needs to be done. And, uh, and he, and God still wants to touch us with his own hands. He wants to love us with his own heart through the priest, through the priest. And so he gave us the great gift of the priesthood and empowered them in John 20 with his life-giving Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven, whose sins you retain are retained. So the priest is not forgiving the sin. God is forgiving the sin through the priest. Um, he, he empowers the, the priest with the Holy Spirit, who says, whose sins you forgiven. Yeah, so whose sins you forgive in my name. Who <laughs> since you forgive in my name, I give you the power of the Holy Spirit to do that. So when we hear, hear the words of the priest, we're hearing the words of Jesus Christ himself. The slate is wiped clean. You can start again. You know, so please take advantage of the sacrament of reconciliation. It's the best gift you can give yourself. Yes, that's right. We, we, so we worry about giving gifts to other people. Yeah. And we, we need to give a gift to ourselves. And you're absolutely right, Ken. Yeah, Beautiful gift it. that we can give to ourselves is, is, uh, is, is going and, uh, and receiving the mercy and forgiveness of God. I can't think of a better gift oh. than the weight being lifted off from the heaviness that our sins laid in us down with. Amen. It's a, it's a great way to feel lighter before you go into your big, heavy 
Christmas dinner. That's right. Too. Seriously. <laughs> I love reconciliation. And uh, as much as I wish I didn't have to go, you know, I mean, there's the <laughs> other side, you know, um, that that feeling of, again, hearing the words of absolution in, and knowing that your sins are truly forgiven um, makes makes the rest of that day so much, you know, so much more joyful and everything there, you know, going forward so much more joyful. And then when we are in temptation to pray, to ask the prayers of your angel, your guardian angel, to ask the prayers of our lady, to ask the prayers of your, your special patron saint to your friends in heaven, whether that be, you know, mother Cabrini is my, is my go-to or St. Maximilian Colby or, or to pray the prayers of the divine mercy chaplet, you know, uh, whatever it may be, whatever, your preferred prayers of the moment are anytime you're in temptation have recourse to those prayers and ask for graces to be poured out into your heart but then if you fail know that reconciliation is always available to you again the greatest gift you can give yourself in this season or any time of the year reconciliation is uh, is the great gift of forgiveness you know, and, uh, you know, one, one uh, little tip, you know, uh, as you're preparing for reconciliation, how do you prepare your heart? You know, one thing I do is I, I, I usually pray Psalm 51 while I'm in line, you know, mm-hmm. for the confessional. Have mercy on me, God, in your kindness. In your compassion, blot out my offense. Wash me more and more from my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. Right. My offenses, truly, I know them. My sin is always before me. That's the way it starts. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. and for me, that's just like being very, I'm good praying with David, you know, right. uh, with the greatest king in history, Israel, who, you know, he had, he had his thing with Bathsheba. Come on. That, in fact, that's when he wrote that psalm. Right. Um, during that time that he was mourning, um, you know, that, that the son that they conceived together would be saved. But th- he wrote this Psalm 51 during that time, begging for God's mercy and forgiveness. Uh, which he received because, you know, Nathan says, you know, God is forgiving your sin, but there's still going to be repercussions because our sin has effects in the lives of other people, not That's just right. in our own life, but in the lives of other people as well. Yeah. You know, so just I think if you have Psalm 51, maybe pull up on your phone or, you know, and, and just use as a meditation as you're preparing to open your heart to receive God's mercy in that beautiful sacrament. That's one of my favorite psalms as well, and I love you know it comes up on Fridays in, in morning prayer at the uh, uh, at the liturgy of the hours. So such a beautiful prayer, um, and it's awesome that you mentioned King David because King David is of course one of the great ancestors of the Lord Jesus that we talked about last week in the Jesse tree. You know, so the way to it brings it all back together. So beautiful, but Deacon, as as always happens about 28 minutes after we start talking, we run out of time. <laughs> so, it goes uh, by so fast. Well, it, and, until uh, next time, uh, how can people um, listen to past episodes, get in touch with us, or just, you know, find out what's new, what's new and exciting with Living Stones? What's new and exciting? Well, if you're on Facebook, you can go to Living Stones Media. If you are on, uh, if you just fire up your browser, you can go to livingstonesmedia.org. You can also go to materdeiradio.com and download all the previous episodes of the show and burn them to disc and then give them as a gift. That's just what I'm saying. And if you're on Twitter, go to Catholic Stones. Uh, But until we gather again next week, Deacon, might uh, might we have a blessing. May Almighty God bless you and keep you the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We'll see you next week here on Living Stones. 
You've been listening to Living Stones with Ken Hellenius and Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Living Stones is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon. For more information about this show, go to moderndayradio.com. That's M-A-T-E-R-D-E-I radio.com.